How to design your own prosthesis and turn the project into a bonding experience. From civil wars, whistleblower tactics, schematic drafting, and the finer points of Sith adoption, the essential how-to guide for the engineering Jedi. By Jack Daw Cry. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 5. Betray You Out of Hand Firmus Piet was not having a good day. Aside from the fact that he still had a mild headache from yesterday's fiasco, he hadn't dared drink more than four fingers of the whiskey he kept stashed in his quarters. Unfortunately, this was not enough to even begin to drown his sorrows or frustrations regarding the whole mess. 164 crewmates had been injured yesterday in Lord Vader's rampage, with everything from only mild bruises and cuts to cracked rims, concussions, and gashes from flying debris. More than one had been in a state of hysterics after witnessing Lord Vader's wrath, and while Piet hoped that the crew of the Lady would generally be above panicking at the first disturbance, the fact remained that Lord Vader would always be in a league of his own when it came to causing havoc and disruption. He sighed. There were silver linings, though, and thank the Force for that, or Piet wasn't sure how much worse his headache would have been. Reports had come in that morning, and while the psychological effect of the rampage would last for some time yet, the physical effects could likely at least be mitigated to an extent that Piet hadn't dared hope for. One hundred and forty-three of the injured crewmates would be able to return to work either today or within the next two days. The remaining twenty-one would likely be declared fit for duty again within the next twelve. The damage reports were somewhat more worrisome, but it seemed that in his haste, Lord Vader had largely chosen the path of least resistance and hadn't been interested in expending any more effort in his destruction than he deemed absolutely necessary. Out of the twenty-four doors ruined, not counting the Grand Gates, only three had sustained substantial structural damage to their frames, and the damage done to the elevator shaft after his lordship had jumped down it had been more superficial than anything else. In fact, the engineers had recommended leaving the gashes along the walls of the elevator shaft as is instead of wasting resources on patching up something that wasn't doing any harm in the first place. There were more pressing issues these resources could be used on, after all, like the Grand Gates. Piet grumbled as he pulled up the damage reporting question on his data pad. While the rest of the issues could largely be addressed within the next few days or weeks, those gates were something else entirely. Custom-made for the lady, there were no others of their type in existence yet, and would consequently have to be either ordered special-made and delivered in the next closest supply shipment, or... He frowned at the recommendations given by Engineer Livon, who was now acting as head engineer while Lars was indisposed. Preferably left to Engineer Lars's discretion upon his recovery. He pressed his lips into a thin line as he contemplated the suggestion. He could either dismiss the suggestion and start a month-long process of tedious and paperwork-filled bureaucracy during which the incident that led to the destruction of the gates would likely become public when the story was eventually leaked, or, or they could hope that Lars would be able to work one more miracle and be able to handle the situation upon his recovery in a manner that would somehow avert disaster and prevent the whole situation from escalating to a ridiculous degree. A choice he would normally not even think twice over, but to foist this entire disaster on a young man who would just be coming back out of medical with one fewer limb and likely a whole load of fresh trauma, it left a bad taste in his mouth. Contemplating his various options, he was only shaken out of his reverie when the elevator chimed with the arrival at his chosen floor. 
Stowing his train of thought away for later, Piet looked up just in time to see the doors slide open to reveal the entrance hall to the officer's lounge. Right, breakfast first, potentially life-ruining decisions later. Not even counting the investigation he would have to conduct later on at the epicenter of the disaster. Tucking his data pad into the crook of his arm, he exited the elevator and headed for the entrance. The familiar arching doorway to the lounge for the upper brass of the lady a welcome sight with the day he still had ahead of him. He needed a proper breakfast to wake him up anyway. Ambling past security, he stepped into the arching space, ever so reminiscent of a restaurant rather than an officer's mess aboard an active warship, one of the comforts afforded by the prominence and size of the lady. Everything from the navy blue carpet and redwood floors to the royal blue and bronze accented curtains in front of the floor-to-ceiling viewports exuded a sense of luxury that still struck him as somewhat odd after all the matte metallics and plastics of his previous assignments. However, he couldn't deny that there wasn't a certain appeal to the relatively quiet and calm lounge, especially when it was likely the one moment in the day you could get that was in any way peaceful, especially on a day like today. Humming thoughtfully to himself, he looked for a free table amid the din of chatter of easy conversations and camaraderie amongst the officers of the lady, carried out of her food and drink. Later today, most of these individuals would once more be part of the competitive and cutthroat culture amongst the officers on the massive warship, each one of them striving to be the one promoted instead of ending up on a slab in the morgue, some of them willing to strive for it at another's expense if need be, but not in the lounge. Here, all feuds and competitions were temporarily put on hold to allow everyone a quiet meal and good company. Finding a free table at one of the viewports in the back, Piet took a seat and notified the waiters bustling around of his presence with a wave. Glancing around at the officers socializing and discussing various matters within the lounge, he took the time to appreciate how much the atmosphere had lightened over the last few months. Before, you were never quite sure who amongst the diners would still be present to eat at the next meal and who would have had their last. But as with so many things, that seemingly fixed fact of life had started to change over the last few months with the arrival of one special young man. Even now, the day after Lord Vader had effectively rattled the whole crew with a terrifying display of careless power, the atmosphere still wasn't as tense as it had been on the best of days before Lars's arrival. Shifting his gaze over to watch the stars drift by, his thoughts drifted with them, back to the events of yesterday that had resulted in his unusual duties for the day. Lars had been injured, and whatever had injured him had done so to the extent that all he could remember was seeing the young man, a boy, really, laid out on the medical stretcher, burnt and bloody, with his right arm nothing more than a tattered mess beyond the elbow. What in the world had happened to make that happen? He was startled out of his thoughts when a waiter came up to his table. Facing the man, he quickly exchanged his troubled expression for a more genial look, one that was returned easily by the light-haired man he quickly recalled as Rattan. Captain Piazza, he greeted easily as he took up a miniature data pad. What shall it be, the usual? Yes, he said with a nod. Thank you. The waiter hummed as he tapped out a series of things on his data pad. So a pot of herbal tea, a bowl of harun, and a bread basket with assorted sweet and savory options, correct? Perhaps more food than the average order in the lounge, but he found that with the legwork he did daily, he needed the extra calories or faced the alternative of falling flat on the ground halfway through the day. A certain admiral may get by with just your usual core world fare that was more air than substance and had as little flavor as that implied, but as the one picking up the slack, Piet needed something more substantial. Quickly confirming his choices, the waiter finalized the order and with a swift nod, headed off to the next table. Their interaction concluded. He would have gone back to looking at the stars if he hadn't caught sight of the distinct shade of military gray from out of the corner of his eye that meant that his morning was about to be a whole lot less quiet.
Sure enough, looking up revealed the distinct towering and broad stature of one General Veers, who, thanks to said stature, had already spotted him before Piet had even registered his presence, and was now making his way over to Piet's table. Looks like the time for quiet contemplation was over. Famous, he greeted with a nod and a small grin as he approached the table. I see you're still in one piece after yesterday's events. With that, he sat down without waiting for an invite or even acknowledgement. Not that Veers had ever needed those. <laughs> yes, barely, he said as he returned the greeting. If the medical team had not arrived at the scene before I did, I doubt that I would be able to say the same. That was the wrong thing to say, evidently, as Veers's grin crashed and burned like one of Lord Vader's ties, and his face took on a distinctly worried look. Scene? he asked as he swung his chair closer to the table. What are you talking? He abruptly cut himself off as comprehension dawned on his face. Thermos! Thermos, are you saying you were there when it all went down? He hissed out as he leant close, and Piet was grateful that he at least had the presence of mind to keep his voice down. If his reaction meant that his involvement with the whole fiasco wasn't widespread knowledge yet, he wanted to keep it that way for as long as possible. From the very beginning, he confirmed quietly, mindful of the other officers around. I was the one who had to order a medical team to the site when Lord Vader first picked up on the occurrence. After that, I merely followed the trail of destruction to the source, to see if any further help was needed. Veers reared back at those words. Followed? he asked incredulously. You mean you went after him? Well, he... Why? His expression froze within the blink of an eye as something seemed to click into place. Laws, he said flatly. The rumors are true about laws. He rubbed a hand over his face that had taken on a distinctly tired look just as quickly as his mood had shifted. Oh, false, he muttered quietly in a gesture that explained exactly nothing to Piet. Rather done with feeling like he was operating with only half of the information available, Piet crossed his arms and narrowed his eyes at his friend. I'm getting the feeling that we're talking past each other, he noted pensively, Veers giving him a flat look in return. The usual arrangement. Deal, Veers agreed shifting in his chair to face Piet more directly. There's plenty of rumors circulating at the moment, Firmus, but that's to be expected. No one's exactly sure of what happened, and everyone has a different story of what happened, but the elements remain the same. Lord Vader's rush across the lady, the injuries of the crew, the destruction, the gates, and that he was headed for the workshop, so everyone's pretty certain it has to do with Lars as well, and there's mutterings from the troopers about a full medical team rushing to the workshop as well, with an ambulance. He grimaced as he said the words. After that, though, the stories fall apart. Some people say Lord Vader flew into a fury and injured Lars. Some say Lars was already injured and Lord Vader somehow knew, which is why yesterday occurred. Others say Lars is dead, or that Lord Vader is dead. He shot Piet a wry look, though oddly enough no one really seems to believe that one. Piet didn't even bother to suppress a sardonic laugh. The day Lord Vader died was the day the Empire fell to pieces, he knew that much. Veers grinned at his reaction and rested an elbow on the table. Yeah, I didn't think so. He did his own cursory glance around the room before leaning in just a bit and lowering his voice. So, care to tell me what in the fresh hell is actually going on, Firmus? Ah, right, his end of the arrangement. Veers had given him the rumors and bearings on everyone's mood, and in exchange he had to give him the facts behind them. It was a simple, mutually beneficial agreement that they had worked out some years ago to broaden their awareness of any given situation, since as an army general and navy captain they had access to different information channels. Switching the roles as necessary depending on the situation, it had provided them both a substantial boost to their performance on several occasions, now to honor it. Mirroring Veers's pose, he quickly made work of laying out the facts, only pausing to thank the waiter that brought him a teapot and cup for his herbal tea, 
with Veers placing his own order of breakfast. Then it was back to telling the story of yesterday's events. A foul Lord Vader had suddenly snapped into some kind of trance while they had been plotting the continued course for the lady and mentioned sensing a disturbance. How he had run, run off, with barely an order shouted over his shoulder to make arrangements for a team of medics. How he had concluded from the destination they were ordered to that something had happened to the young head engineer and immediately headed off after his superior, following the trail of destruction, and what he had found at the end of it, the destroyed Grand Gates. The hallway towards the workshop that had looked as if some beast had clawed its way in there, and— Lars, lost an arm, Theus whispered direly, his face as pale as a funeral shroud. Are you sure? Piet pursed his lips as he remembered the bloody and charred mess that had been Lars's arm and nodded once. I can't think of any medicine, not even Bacta, that could restore what was left of his hand, he admitted quietly. Even if the medics will no doubt do everything within their power, I don't think it's possible to reconstruct wounds that extensive, not when everything below his forearm was just gone. Beers' head jerked into a nod like it was on a string, and he rubbed a hand over his face as he stared down at the table. Holy fucking force, he muttered quietly. And Piet couldn't help but agree, Lars was not someone who you could ever even think of having something like this happen to. Regardless of the fact that Piet privately thought that there was the distinctive sense of something more lying just skin deep within the young engineer, he was still just a kind, genuine, and bright young man who never really seemed to be out for trouble, even if trouble always found him. It was naive and pointless to think of it this way, but Lars wasn't the kind of person to be subjected to the traumatic experience of losing a part of himself in that way. He just wasn't. Well, like he'd already established, that kind of thinking was pointless now. And you said you've been tasked with the investigation? Veers asked once he'd regained some of his composure. Why? You'd think that Lord Vader would. Then he seemed to realize what he was saying and sheepishly shut his mouth. Unnecessarily, as far as Piet was concerned, the man had an excellent point. He hummed in his throat as he mentally recounted the scene, taking a sip from his tea before he answered. Honestly, Max, he said as he placed his cup back on its saucer, I think it was because I was the closest person at hand. Not immediately visibly occupied with everything, he finished with a vague gesture. He was injured himself and bleeding. The medics insisted on him allowing a full medical examination as well. Though judging from the manner in which medic kicks had persuaded Lord Vader, he didn't doubt that it was merely code for, you need medical attention too, now. And he hasn't been seen since, so it had to have been severe, Fears finished the thought with a pensive look. Either that or... He cut himself off as his eyes widened minutely with realization. Or, Piet prompted, surprised when Veers quickly glanced around again to see that no one was listening in before turning back to him with a serious expression. Or, Veers continued, he's still watching over Lars. And Piet wanted to protest that, he really did. There was no rational reasoning for why Lord Vader would choose to waste time merely watching over the young man when there was much work to be done, but but it all made too much sense when he thought about it for more than ten seconds and didn't immediately dismiss the more dangerous of his thoughts. The thoughts that asked whether it really would be so strange to see Lord Vader stand watch over Lars's sickbed with the behavior the man had displayed where it concerned Lars. The thoughts that noted how incredibly similar the Dark Lord's mannerisms around Lars were to those of Veers around Zevulon. The thoughts that told him it all looked a lot like, "'We should probably drop the subject,' he told Veers curtly. I still have an investigation to run today, 
and likely a report to give to his lordship later on as well. These aren't really the thoughts I wish to have at the forefront of my mind when doing so. All right, he has agreed easily, even as his eyes flashed with realization before grinning widely. I think that's your mountain. Sorry, food arriving now, anyway. He barely had the time to glare at Veers before he did indeed pick up on the unmistakable scent of herein, a thick stew filled with baked vegetables, various cuts of bantha meat among which were the heart, tongue, and lungs, and enough spices to sting the nose at ten paces, heaven, and just what he needed before he threw himself into the meat grinder of the day. Veers, however, pulled a face as he watched the waiter carry the bowl of herein to them, tears visible in the corner of his eyes. Ugh, he muttered, raising a hand to partially cover his nose and mouth. Well, there goes my appetite. Force, Firmus, how do you eat this? He raised an eyebrow on his unappreciative breakfast companion while thanking the waiter as he placed the bowl and bread basket in front of him. With a spoon, Max? Veers glared at him while squinting his eyes against the peppery odor of the dish, and if Piet didn't know what constituted for food closer to the core, he would have thought that his friend was raising overacting to an art form. Breaking off a piece of bread to dip it in the stew, he looked Veers dead in the eyes as the man slid his chair backwards a bit and blinked heavily against the tears gathering steadily in his eyes now. Force! He coughed as he pulled out a handkerchief to dab at the corners of his eyes. That stuff is strong! Are you sure you didn't order tear gas as a seasoning instead of whatever the hell is supposed to be in that thing? Quite serious? He replied as he stuffed the piece of bread in his mouth. His palate immediately lit up under all the spices, and for just a moment... He was reminded of simpler times when all he had to worry about was not dying in the next pirate attack and making sure that the majority of his prisoners went through the proper legal processes unhampered by bribes or threats. That, and it cleared the sinuses wonderfully well. Veers, meanwhile, seemed to have recovered somewhat from his fit of dramatics and was looking at Piet's plate with more dread and morbid curiosity in his expression than Piet had ever seen before, even in the bloodiest of battles. Rubbing a hand over his chin, he glanced up at Piet and gave him a considering look. You know, he said, if this is the dish that got switched in the screaming Admiral Ozzel incident, I wonder how he ever could have mistaken it for his own food, sweet force. Scooping up some baked greens soaked through in stew on his spoon, Piet gave Veers a narrow look. And that dish in question wasn't hidden. It was Bancal, he sniffed scornfully, and it's his loss that he couldn't appreciate it. Furnace, Veers interjected flatly. The man had blisters on the inside of his mouth and was in the medical wing for three days. Swallowing the spoonful of stew, Piet matched Veers's look one for one. As I said, it's his loss that he couldn't appreciate it. And I got saddled with that tasteless shredded cardboard, so I consider us even. You mean toast with beans? Veers corrected. Exactly, he agreed easily as he broke off another piece of bread. Tasteless shredded cardboard. The general rolled his eyes at that retort. Come on now, has anyone ever actually agreed with you on that? Engineer Lars did, he shot back easily, dipping the bread. He was the most appreciative of me introducing him to various dishes, and noted that he had had difficulty finding food of similar flavor profile ever since he had come aboard. Veers blinked as his face took on a resigned look. You're kidding me. The kid likes your bioweapon food, actually, he added on before Piet could even get a word in edgewise. No, why am I even surprised? The kid is out of room, too. Of course he'd like it. He stated as he nodded like he had just figured it all out. Piet scowled and jabbed his spoon at Veers. The outer rim is hardly a monolith, Max, he reprimanded. We may both hail from it, but our planets of origin are about as far removed from each other as they are from the core. And yet, you both clearly have your preference for food that quite literally blisters the mouth in common, Veers shot back. That speaks of some kind of kinship, I'd say. 
He glared as he scooped up another spoon of herein. If that is the only way you can get your mind around it, then sure. There is at the very least a shared taste for properly seasoned food. He darkened his glare a little further. Never mind that the cultures that created them are completely unrelated to one another. Veers finally got the message, and Piet relaxed his stance in satisfaction as he watched his friend's expression go sheepish and apologetic. Right, too far. Uh, sorry for miss, he apologized. Mollified by the apology, Piet hummed slightly as he considered the memory of Lars cheerfully asking all manner of questions about the food while they had discussed one manner of update to the lady's systems or other. Apology accepted, he said easily, before smiling slightly as he remembered the young man sharing his own world's recipes in turn. And there are some similarities, I suppose, more so than with many of the core worlds in either case. Veer snorted and perked up as he finally caught sight of his own food arriving, and Piet hoped that that would be enough to distract his friend, but— I'll say, Veers muttered. The food I prefer doesn't give me capsaicin poisoning. I think the words you're looking for are, has any seasoning at all, Piet shot back, taking another bite of bread, eyeing his friend's plate as it was placed in front of him. It seemed rather empty. He raised an eyebrow as he swallowed down the bite. That's all. Veers shot him a bewildered look. What do you mean, that's all? That's a normal hearty amount of food right there, Firmus. He gave the plate a second look but reached the same conclusion as before. I wouldn't make it through half the day on that, he stated firmly. Are you sure that's enough, Max? Considering that I'm not a perpetual notion machine like you are, Veers asked as he began buttering a slice of toast. Definitely. He then switched his gaze over to Piet's own bowl, which had been half emptied already. Unlike you, apparently, he noted dryly. Sweet force, Firmus, you're like half my size. Where do you even put it all? That's for me to know, and for you to puzzle over he replied primly as he resumed clearing his own share of the food. Evidently that was the last of the conversation as they both dug into the remaining food, only a scarce couple of lines slipping into the comfortable silence. Piet hardly minded it as he turned his full focus on his food. He had little time left before he was expected at the workshop to begin the investigation anyway. Bit by bit, the plates and bowls and cups were emptied, and their stomachs filled with the fuel needed to get through another day. Finishing the last bit of herein and wiping his mouth on a napkin, he nodded to Veers. I have to be off, he said. Anthony Livon will likely be expecting me soon to start the investigation. Veers dipped his head in acknowledgement before grimacing. And Director Richton will likely expect a call from me soon regarding Zev's whole fast-tracked graduation scheme, he sighed. What that kid puts me through, he muttered. Though Piet didn't put too much stock into the genuineness of the complaints when he saw Veers' mouth twitch up at the corners, he turned back to Piet and nodded at him. Good luck with your investigation, and I hope you'll find something that'll keep heads from rolling. Somehow that didn't feel as reassuring as it usually did. He returned the well-wishing of luck, but even as he began to make his way to the elevator station once more, the slight feeling of dread wouldn't leave the back of his mind. He sighed as he shook his head, nothing to be done about it. Any investigation that had Lord Vader looming over it while hungry for details was bound to set the hairs on his neck on end. Giving his destination to the troopers manning the station, Piet recalled the hallway leading to the workshop from yesterday. It had been gouged along the sides, deep rends in the metal that bled sparking wires and other internal mechanisms, which might just be his panicked and overactive imagination recalling the scene from yesterday incorrectly while still surging with adrenaline and fight-or-flight instincts, but with the things his superior had shown himself capable of yesterday? He swallowed. It also might not— and if it wasn't, that spelled very bad things for him should this whole investigation turn out nothing. He sighed as he adjusted his data pad in the crook of his arm, vowing to find out how Lars stashed his own data pad in his overalls without ruining the lines of his uniform once the young man woke up. The threat of death and danger. 
It was just another work day on the lady, then. Hurrying his way through the lobbies of the elevator and rail stations, Piet scanned the route he was taking for any residual damage from yesterday's rampage, and noted with surprising satisfaction that the majority of the damage had been mostly cleaned up. The rubble and debris had been swept up, the remains of the broken doors removed, and the general air of panic and shock had abated. Everything seemed to have returned to the same semblance of normality until he arrived at the main hangar rail station. The sheer number of cleanup crews present was already a bad sign that the situation was far from back to normal within the Engineering Corps' main domain. He pursed his lips as he looked at the people walking around. Well, he didn't see anyone wearing protective face coverings, so at the very least the dust must have settled, which wasn't as much of a comfort as it probably should be, but it was something. Wading his way through the crowds of people, he noted that even today there were still troopers stationed at the exits of the rail station, though at least this time they weren't forming a full armor wall, but rather a loose checkpoint. It seemed that Engineer Livon's requests of continued assistance were for more than just material and manpower from the Navy. The Army had clearly been approached as well. Walking up to the checkpoint of troopers, Piet shifted his data pad and adopted a genial expression when the troopers finally noticed his approach, pleasantly surprised when two of them promptly moved out of the way to allow him passage. Ah, Captain Piet, sir, one of them called out. Lavon said to expect your arrival. Head on through, sir, but watch your step. Apparently clean-up has proven more of a hassle than the gearheads anticipated. Of course it's a hassle, Dick Kut. Another trooper hissed at their brother-in-arms. Have you seen the size of those boulders out there? Could you stop hissing at me for one moment? The other implored miserably. I said I was sorry for spilling calf on your sketchbook. It was an accident or a hut. New draw. The former once more hissed out, sounding utterly frigid. You weren't even allowed to just take it out like that in the first place, you... Flicking his gaze between the two arguing troopers, Piet looked on in disbelief as they bickered back and forth, before finally clearing his throat to get the two's attention. If I may, troopers, he said blandly, am I cleared to proceed or not? Right, the first trooper said, posture slumping with relief at being given an out even as he straightened up. Of course, sir. Don't mind us. Especially don't mind that one. The other added on, crossing their arms and turning away. Oh, come on, Vod. Now, Prophet Takasit, please. New draw. Ignoring the bickering troopers with a roll of his eyes as he passed the checkpoint, Piet made a brisk pace of it as the argument faded into the background. The troopers hadn't been wrong, though, he noted as he entered the cavernous space. There were still debris chunks scattered everywhere. And though the floor had been swept and the smaller rubble cleared away, it only gave a clearer view of how much the durasteel plating of the ground had warped and cratered under the impact of the remnants of the Grand Gates. He grimaced in sympathy as he saw various teams of engineers measure the extent of the damage with various laser riggings and depth gauges. It would be a hell of a task to get the main hangar once more looking like it had before Lord Vader's rampage, but it would have to be done. Fortunately, for once, this wasn't his problem to deal with, and he hurried past the teams of engineers towards the problem that was. Turning the corner around one of the larger ships, he caught sight of the hallway leading to the workshop, and a day later the sight hadn't gotten any better. Approaching the archway that was the entrance into the hallway beyond, lit by broken and flickering lights, Piet noted with trepidation that his imagination hadn't exaggerated the size of the gouges in the metal whatsoever, and had in fact underestimated their size. Up close and personal, the gouges were monstrously large, dwarfing any that a human or even humanoid could have created with the occasional spark of electricity leaking out showing just how deep they reached. They lined the entire entryway of the corridor, circling the entire six-meter-tall archway like an uneven and inverted ring of teeth, and Piet felt the blood drain out of his face once he realized what 
two seconds. He was taking two seconds to close his eyes and process this, damn it, and doing just that, he studiously suppressed the primal fear that had welled up in the back of his mind as the realization of what Lord Vader was truly capable of hit home. Two seconds, and then the world went on. Opening his eyes once more, he took a deep breath and continued on into the corridor, ignoring how the hairs on his neck pricked up at his surroundings and the eerie silence that filled the corridor the further he got from the Battle of the Main Hangar. Thankfully, he just needed to turn this corner and go a little further, and then there would be the workshop. Oh. Piet nearly dropped his data pad as he took in the sight in front of him. The gouges that had run along the length of the hallway finally came to an end. That was the good news. The bad news was that they all convened on the ruined and blackened workshop entrance, smoke still rising into the air in thin ringlets, even as Piet could hear air filtration units working full tilt. His jaw nearly fell slack as he took in the sight before him. What in the name of the galaxy and all her stars had happened here? Dust explosion with the 3D printers, Lord Vader had said. Piet remembered that much. But surely even a dust explosion, powerful though it may be, couldn't have resulted in the doors to the workshop looking like they had been cracked open with a bomb from the inside, jagged and blackened shards curling outward like a parody of a flower, especially since Lars had survived said explosion as well, with his greatest injuries being a lost arm, so that meant Lord Vader again. He didn't bother to feel surprised. Standing in front of the horrifying sight were two stormtrooper guards in the new suit of armor, and thankfully the familiar form of one Erebus Livon who was clearly assessing the damage as they looked over the ruined doors. Letting his footsteps ring out a little louder than he normally would to announce his presence, Piet took the time to be grateful that he wouldn't have to investigate this place all by himself. The mere thought left a shiver running down his spine. Livon looked up at his approach and offered him a humorless grin as he walked up, exchanging salutes in the process. A rather impressive sight, hmm, Captain? they asked. If it weren't for the fact that I knew the cause behind it, I would think that something was giving 5th century BISC metal sculpting another go. The surprising levity in the man's tone managed to startle an unexpected, but welcome, huff of laughter out of Piet, nervous though it was. I wish I could agree to that, Engineer Lavon, he greeted back. But as it stands, do you have any more information on all this? he asked, with a wave toward the smoking ruins of the workshop's blast doors. Aside from the fact that it looks like the mirror image of second-wave postmodernism, sir? They asked with a raised eyebrow. Unfortunately, not much. We left the scene mostly undisturbed aside from sending a few firefighters in to curb the flames. According to them, the workshop is surprisingly intact, and there were no major hazards aside from the epicenter of the fire, so we shouldn't need any protective gear aside from the customary respirators for the rest. They shrugged their shoulders. I'm afraid we must find out ourselves, Captain. Piet pursed his lips into a straight line as he looked into the gaping maw of the workshop entrance. I see, he sighed and felt the weariness already begin to set in. Let us begin, then, engineer. The one ordering this investigation is best not kept waiting. Livon nodded curtly. Agreed. They stepped over to the troopers and retrieved the now-familiar full-face respirator from one of them. Furthermore, sir, they said. Allow me to make introductions. These two troopers will be joining us in the investigations on the grounds that there might be potentially hazardous material to handle, or otherwise need for extra manpower and two more sets of eyes. They gestured to the trooper who had just given them the respirator. This is Commander Cody. And then they nodded to the other trooper. And that is Commander Rappo. They joined at their own insistence. With that introduction, both troopers snapped off a sharp salute, and as Piet saluted back, he could guess as to what the reasoning was. 
Max had kept him well informed on the hero worship situation that was developing in the trooper barracks regarding Lars, and he didn't doubt that these two men were the Stormtrooper Corps' contribution to assisting with the investigation, something which Piet appreciated not having to search for volunteers for. Captain Piet, sir. The one introduced as Cody greeted with a curt but respectful dip of his head. You can count on us to assist you. In whatever manner you need to locate the cause of Engineer Lars's accident. The one introduced as Apo nodded once in agreement with his counterpart. An injury to the armorer is an injury to your soul. Armorer? Why did that sound familiar? Well, never mind. He nodded curtly to the both of them as he took the respirator from Livon's hands. A pleasure, I'm sure, but I hope you understand that this won't be your average mission, commanders. Consider it closer to an escort mission than anything else, he warned them, remembering all too well Veers' stories of how the one thing worse than a disobedient trooper was a bored trooper. Not to worry, sir, Apple responded quietly, something significant filtering through in the vocoder of the helmet. We've only just returned from an escort mission three days ago. The mentality is still there. Three days ago, that meant... The Imperial Palace, hmm? He asked Apo, seeking confirmation of his suspicions. Yes, sir, the commander responded, and then... Engineer Lars's detail, sir. Both of us, Commander Cody added. Ah, well then, he couldn't say that didn't explain a whole lot. Very well, he agreed. I think we will get along just fine in that case. With that, he slipped the respirator over his head and tried to mimic the movements and fit he had been guided through yesterday. It worked out well enough, and before long, he turned back to Livon to declare the investigation ready to start. Livon, who was looking at all of them with a realization and something knowing in their eyes that had Piet suspect they knew exactly what deeper reasoning laid under this investigation for all of them, aside from their orders, a reasoning Piet believed was their own as well. No need to put a name on it, though, or pass any accusations. Ready, engineer? He asked with a tilt of his head, attempting to convey some form of emotion now that half his face was obscured behind a respirator and the other half behind a transparent plastic-steel mask. Ready, sir, they agreed with a nod. Let's head in. Carefully stepping through the maw of the beast so as not to get stuck on any barbs or edges, Piet's first impression upon entering the workshop proper was that Livon had been very much correct in stating that there was surprisingly little damage done to the main workplace. Walking between the various workbenches and hollow displays, he noted that despite the fact that there was a decent amount of soot and light fire damage everywhere, as well as some scratch damage from Lord Vader's dynamic entry, there would only be a little work to be done before the place would once more be fit to be used as the mechanical laboratory its young occupant treated it as. But for the rest... He looked around the powered-down room and recalled the times he had seen it in all its glory on one hand. Lars, for all that the man was friendly and open, also had a deeply secretive and private side to him, and it was that side that kept the workshop a near-mythical place among the crew aside from a lucky few, a sanctum for the lady's son, a status it more than deserved, as even in its powered-down state, it was still a magnificent sight to behold. Livon walked up beside him, and from the corner of his eye, Piet saw the man's gaze sweep across the powered-down workshop, too, even as they spoke. The 3D printer room is on the second floor, the engineer quietly informed him. If Lord Vader's information is correct, we will find the cause of all this grief there. Lead the way, engineer, he replied just as quietly, still glancing around the room where nothing less than miracles were made nearly every day. Following Live on to a corner where a small, soot-covered open elevator stood waiting, Piet watched as the man took out a tattered rag and began wiping down the control panel. Once the thing was properly cleaned, or at least as clean as one could make anything with what Piet suspected was an oil rag, they flicked a few switches and the elevator blinked to life with lights and a quiet electric hum. 
patting the thing once in satisfaction, Livon turned back to them. Right then, gentlemen, all aboard, please. Stepping into the elevator along with the stormtroopers, Piet held onto the railing as Livon directed the whole affair upwards. As they glided along the rails, Piet noted that the wall had rather odd scratch marks on it. Stop the lift, he commanded before he was completely conscious of his decision to do so. Immediately the lift ground to a halt, but before he had any time to appreciate the speed at which Livon had managed to follow that order, he had already noticed something else that made his blood run cold. Grooves. Clawed into the durasteel much like they were in the hallway outside, but much, much smaller than those, and less numerous too, almost like... Those were created by a human hand, one of the commanders noted. And by Piet's shoulder, Apo reached out to brush a gauntlet over them, matching his own fingers to the grooves to demonstrate. Or at least, something that looked a lot like a human hand, but was a hell of a lot stronger in the grip. With that description, it had to be... Lord Vader, Piet heard himself say flatly. There would have been no one else who would be able to scale the wall like that. A startled sound came from the corner where Livon stood. We're ten meters off the ground. Evidently, Appa returned dryly, his lordship didn't care. An understatement of Piet had never heard one. A few seconds passed in silence before the elevator resumed its path again, and this time, now that he knew what he was looking for, Piet could track Lord Vader's path up the wall, a sentence which Piet had honestly never thought he would think let alone find relevant to his current situation. Without further incident, the elevator brought all four of them safely to the second floor of the workshop, and immediately upon arrival, Piet needed no further instruction as to which was the 3D printer room. Or, well, he thought, as he eyed the charred black and still smoking entry of one specific room, what was left of the 3D printer room. When Livon walked confidently in that same direction, Piet needed no further confirmation, and simply followed the man into the belly of the beast. The further they walked, the more severe the damage of the fire became. Blackened and discolored walls absolutely caked in soot, warped plastisteel and general destruction, and a thick, hazy air of unpleasantness that hung in the air like a hollow filter, the epicenter of the fire that had raged here and injured a young son so deeply. They stepped through another shattered and ruined door that marked the final destination of Lord Vader's rampage, and sure enough, behind it they found what was left of the 3D printer room utter destruction. Here the fire had evidently raged the fiercest and wildest, and the whole room was dark save for the light that streamed in through the doorway and the occasional spark of electricity or glow of a stray ember. Thankfully the troopers found their calling as they stepped forward with the head torches of their helmets illuminating the way. Force, Livon muttered as they observed the scene cast in the light of the stormtroopers' torches. Talk about total destruction. An engineer Lars was just lying in the middle of all this. Looks like Lord Vader had a damn good point in rushing as he did, Cody cut in lowly, sweeping his torch over the blown-out remains of what Piet could only assume was a 3D printer. I don't even want to think of what could have happened if he hadn't. Neither did Piet, but that didn't stop the thoughts from rearing their unwelcome faces anyway at the words of the engineer. Focus, he said instead, banishing the useless guesses as to what if. We're here to find the cause of all this. Engineer Livon, he asked as he turned to the man, what do you make of all this? Said man hummed low in their throat as they observed the fire-ravaged room. Considering the location, the destruction, and method of destruction, they asked. A dust explosion, they stated confidently. And even if they didn't start out that way, it would have almost certainly ended in one. But, they said as they walked over to the carcass of one of the ruined 3D printers, 
That doesn't explain what started it. They're an inherent risk of the method by which the printers work, yes, but we're aware of those risks and have built-in fail-safes to counter them, they said with a frown. Lars, perhaps more than anyone, with how relatively fresh his safety course was and how insistent he always is on workplace safety. Then I believe you have your objective for this investigation, Engineer, Piet stated firmly. Find out what caused the fail-safes to fail, and hopefully we'll be able to eliminate that threat for the future, for all our sakes. Understood, sir. Livon said as they glanced back. What will you be doing, if I may ask? Piet took a good look around the room, dirty and littered with rubble as it was, and sighed. At least his uniform included gloves. If it won't interfere with your inspection, engineer, he asked with a wry look. Getting my hands dirty. I may not know what to look for exactly, but I am a dab hand at categorization, so I will take this sorting of debris for my reconning. Livon gave him a long look before nodding in agreement as they turned back to the carcass of the printer, pulling screwdriver and rag from their tool belt as they carefully stepped closer through the minefield of debris. Keep an eye out for anything that doesn't look like fire damage, sir, they called over their shoulder as they began rubbing at the soot on a particular part of the casing with vigor. And also, Cody interjected, any task we can perform besides being walking lamps? Uh, yes, Piet replied as he knelt down not far from the printer Livon had chosen to work on and began the tedious work of inspecting metal fragments. One of you can see if they can requisition some actual lamps from close by, while the other remains exactly where they are. Appo, you take that one. Cody immediately ordered. What? Appo said. Why me? Because I'll sit it first, came the distinctly childish reply, the light beam shaking as the commander presumably turned his head towards his fellow commander, and Piet rolled his eyes as he slipped one piece of particularly warped plastic steel into a pile he mentally labeled as Fubar. Hop to it, Vod. Ah, that would explain it. Please keep the light stable for now, Commander, he instructed lightly, at least until your brother returns. Sorry, sir, was the reply. And the light beam quickly settled down into something less seizure-inducing as the Commander kept his position. And Commander Rappo, please go get those lamps, he added, and ignored the snickering and grumbling from behind him as he heard one of the troopers leave, the lift whirring to life not soon after. They all lapsed into silence after that, the room filled only with the sounds of scraping and clattering as both Livon and he worked away at their respective tasks, which, admittedly for Piet, was rather dull. Though at the very least, inspecting various warped and melted pieces of metal and plastic deal for faults was still more engaging than sorting through various resource statement reports. For one thing, the pieces came in all manner of forms. Wait, hold on. He frowned at the piece of metal he held in his hand, turning it over. What were those holes? He held the piece up in the air and tilted it for better inspection. On first glance, it appeared to have been some kind of flat plating that had been edged with plastisteel, now only a melted and dripping edging that had hardened into something truly foul that still clung to the bent plate. But those weren't the things that caught his eye. On multiple scattered plates, just along the line that indicated where the plastisteel had once sat, there were round, minuscule holes littering the metal. No larger than a pinhead, He'd nearly have missed them if the light hadn't shone through them and illuminated their location. He narrowed his eyes as he thumbed over them. Were they supposed to be there? Putting the piece of plating down for the moment, he turns to the piles of sordid debris beside him. If there was any similar kind of plating, that would likely be able to tell him if they were features or flaws. Rummaging through the pile of scrap metal, he at last found what he was searching for. The piece was a bit different in shape clearly sheared in half some time in the explosion, and bent to hell and back, but the corners and plastisteel residue marks were the same. Thumbing along the line of the residue marks to remove excess soot and gunk, he held the piece of plating aloft to let the light hit it properly. No holes. Hmm. Anthony Livon, 
he called as he stood up, holding both pieces side by side. I may have found something. Sir? The engineer asked as they looked up from where they were inspecting the melted conglomerate that had once been the internal wiring and circuit boards of the printer. Rising up from the floor and wincing only slightly when his knees protested, he strode over to where the engineer was leaning over the remains of the printer. These two pieces, he said. Could you tell me what they were before they got blasted to hell? I believe there may be something wrong with one of them. Holding out one of the pieces for Livon's inspection, Piet was pleased to see that the engineer had only to scrutinize them with narrowed eyes for a moment before recognition sparked. Corners of the air ceiling plates, they stated confidently. What about them, sir? Ceiling plates? There are holes in one of these pieces, engineer, he stated darkly, as a suspicion began to form in the shadows of his awareness. And I'm hoping you can tell me those are meant to be there, and it's just my own ignorance of mechanics that made them stand out to me. That hope was dashed as soon as Livon's eye blew wide, and even their dark skin seemed to take on an ashen hue. Holes, they whispered direly. Yes, just along the residue line. He cut himself off with a startled sound as Livon snatched the pieces out of his hand with lightning speed, subtly checking to see if all his fingers were still attached. Piet watched as the engineer jumped to their feet and rushed over to where Commander Cody was standing with singular intensity, the poor man actually stumbling back a step before getting forcibly yanked along by the determined engineer and placed firmly next to the door at an angle. Stand there, came the curt order, and don't move, I need the light. Sir? The commander squeaked out, and it took Piet a second to realize that he was being addressed by the trooper. Do as they say, Commander, he ordered firmly. This might be important. Honestly, Piet thought, as he observed the engineer holding up the pieces against the two crossed beams of light, there was no might about this, not with how Livon was acting. He may have only known the man for a day, but even he could tell this wasn't usual behavior for them. Wary of disturbing Livon's apparent moment of revelation, Piet carefully walked closer to where the engineer was standing, the man having pulled down their respirator to fit the magnifying headset they kept perched on their head over their eyes, already adjusting the lenses. Once they were apparently satisfied with what they saw, they held the shards of plating up against the light and slowly tilted them back and forth, occasionally flipping them. I knew it, they growled out after a moment. I fucking knew it. Engineer Lyvon, he asked cautiously. The man wheeled around and yanked the magnifier back up to their forehead with a furious gesture, eyes blazing as they looked at Piet. The holes, they spat out with a venom that shocked Piet, were drilled in, sir. What? Care to explain that statement, engineer? He responded, voice lowering to icy depths. If Livon was implying what he thought they were implying. It means, sir, the engineer hissed, their voice shaking with barely leashed rage as they began to pace, that someone in here has committed foul play. They paused in their pacing to shake the shard of plating at Piet. This, this is a seal. It's not... There's not supposed to be fucking holes in this thing. They continued their pacing, faster and looking more hunted than before, eyes wide and wild. And the placing, someone put those holes there deliberately, knowing that they wouldn't be seen in time to prevent an accident. It's sabotage, then, Piet said coldly, a familiar and freezing rage beginning to build up in his veins. It's a murder attempt, Lavon hissed back, still pacing like a caged Nexu before abruptly stopping and looking Piet right in the eyes. Someone wants Lars dead. Someone who has access to Lars's workshop wants him dead, and would have succeeded in their attempt if it hadn't been for Lord Vader. Who? Oh. 
Piet and Livon both looked over to the source of the monotone question and found Commander Cody standing in a relaxed stance that somehow screamed hostility. Who? He repeated, tone deceptively calm even as it reached sub-zero temperatures. Who harmed Lars? And why? That is what I would like to know as well, Tripper, he answered. Keeping his tone bland for fear that he would otherwise start hissing, too, he glanced at where Livon had resumed their pacing, their face contorted into a look of silent but absolute fury. Can you think of anyone who had access to the workshop who might have hostile sentiments against Engineer Lars, Livon? I'm working on it, sir, they ground out, all decorum and politeness forgotten in the face of the fact that someone had attempted to murder the kind young man. Not that Piet could blame them. He was feeling rather short in the fuse as well at the moment. For a moment, nothing but the pacing footsteps could be heard, neither Piet nor Commander Cody daring to make a sound to break the engineer's concentration. It was in vain, however, as Livon could only utter out a guttural noise of frustration after a few moments. Fucking damn it! They cursed as they threw one of their screwdrivers, the thing harmlessly bouncing off the ground, rolling away. I can't think of anyone. My mind is too worked up. That was unfortunate, but to be expected... Piet closed his eyes for two seconds to order his thoughts, the cold fury in his blood sharpening his thoughts to an icy shard, singularly focused on finding the comfort of this... this... He breathed deeply. Whoever had committed the crime would have had to access the workshop, and the only way to do that without doing what Lord Vader did was to insert a valid code cylinder into the locking mechanism of the blast doors, which meant that... Engineer Livon, are the security records of Engineer Lars's workshop kept stalled somewhere? he asked, a plan beginning to form in his mind as he ticked off his mental list of things to consider. Livon came to an abrupt halt as they looked at Piet, a blank look on their face even as their eyes looked far away for a moment. Yes, they said eventually, slowly nodding their head. Yes, the records, they should be kept at security. We got the order to start storing them ever since the threat of espionage became a serious consideration. Piet smiled in a manner that probably showed too many teeth to really be considered a smile, but he was beyond caring at the moment. Then I should say, we have a traitor to catch. It was at that moment that a stumbling and crashing sound came down from the workshop ground floor, and all present within the 3D printing room startled as the lift came to life. A soft cursing hurt just over the whirring of the apparatus. Looking rather befuddled at the room's entrance, Piet could only feel like it was almost out of tone for Commander Apo to come stumbling in, while he attempted to balance a too large number of emergency floodlights within his grasp. Some of the commander seemed to realize, too, as he came to a halt, his visor tilting left and right as he observed the scene in front of him. But did I miss something, sir? He almost felt like laughing at the innocent question, but there was hardly any time for fooling around. Quite a bit, Commander, he admitted readily, his mind already going through the steps that would have to be taken, such as the discovery that the incident that nearly killed Lars wasn't an accident but a deliberate murder attempt by way of sabotage. Wait, what? The commander shouted as he promptly dropped all the floodlights he was holding onto the ground with a cacophonous crash, but the trooper ignored it all. Sir? He asked instead, clearly lost at Piet's statement. I'll explain while we walk, trooper, but for now bear with me. He ordered a plan solidifying. He turns to Livon and fixed the man with a determined look that brokered no arguments. Enter near Livon, continue with your inspection. Look for more signs of sabotage that could potentially reveal more about how the culprit went about the act and their identity. The engineer nodded and snapped off a sharp salute as they acknowledged their orders. Good. He turns to Commander Cody. Commander, 
I expect you to continue assisting Engineer Lyavon and to ensure their safety. This is now a crime scene. Treat it accordingly, and recruit more of your men to assist you if need be. Anyone is recruitable, as under my orders, and by the authority granted to me by Lord Vader, so accept no objections. I expect you to know who amongst the crewmates have the specializations necessary that will allow them to act as forensics. Am I clear? The commander nodded and snapped off a salute much like Lyavon. So yes, sir. He acknowledged, steel edging his voice. He nodded back. Good. And with that, he turns to Commander Apo. And you, Commander, will accompany me to security. We have a record cache to requisition and a traitor to catch. Apo, for all that the man was likely feeling somewhat lost, showed none of that than his demeanor when he saluted sharply and nodded once. Sir, yes, sir. This was it, then. All right, gentlemen, he said as he folded his hands behind his back, looking them each in the eyes as best as he could. Then this is the official start of our mission. There's a traitor amongst our ranks who has foolishly decided to tip their hand and make an enemy of us all. This was a mistake, he stated. Knowing it as the truth, as he recalled a certain black specter cradling a young man in his arms as carefully as one would spun glass, he allowed himself a small, vicious smile. And we will see to it that they understand it as such. Is that clear? He hadn't really needed to ask. The mirror of his own determination and thirst for vengeance reflected in the mood of all present within the room. Sir, yes, sir! Troopers and engineer echoed in sync. Very well, then, he said with a nod as he made his way to the door. Then let us begin. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Dockerai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.